for me, there is nothing better than being at the coalface with the customer, right? And so when you are talking in the field um, as an entrepreneur, as a startup founder, and you're solving real customer problems, and you're, you're, you're going to be able to learn so much faster, and that's going to drive your entrepreneurial success by being as close to the customer as you can be, right? And so, um, you know, that was probably, you know, if I think about challenges early on in the Cobalt days, I hired sales a little bit faster than I should have. I wasn't as close to the customers I should have been. That slowed us down rather than sped us up. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I am so excited today uh, for this episode of Afternoon Tea. I have the Michael Argust of Cobalt IO joining us. Michael, before we get into the nitty gritty, let me just set this up, please. Michael Argust is the co-founder and CEO of Cobalt IO. Cobalt.io partners with various small and mid-sized organizations using industry standards and best practices, shared service platforms, and an extensive team of specialists to help level up their security, their cybersecurity programs in a timely and cost-effective fashion. Michael builds great teams and serves clients with a focus on excellence and execution. With his diverse background in technical and business operations, sales support, marketing, and executive leadership, Michael continues to lead Cobalt to be a major firm in cybersecurity. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me here, Chris. Really looking forward to it. Fantastic, fantastic. No, here's here it was actually should have been my first question. Cobalt.io or just Cobalt? How do you how do you when you're when you're talking about the company? What's the best way? I mean, one's a URL, one's a company name. One might be both. We we, we used to go with just Cobalt, mm -hmm. but we're having a hard time with uh, search engine optimization, so mm. we're doing Cobalt.io now. You know perfect. how it is. Perfect. So. Well, I like the inputs and outputs, so I I definitely dig that. Well, yeah. you know what? We're talking about it. We we know how to say it now. Can you please give me give me the origin story? Tell me how Cobalt IO was born. Yeah, so we have a bit of an ass backwards origin story. <laughs> okay. And what I mean by this is, so I've been in cybersecurity for 20 years. Um, and prior to starting Cobalt, I had uh, accidentally built a lifestyle business, as you do when you're consulting. Oh, yeah. um, and I'd spent uh, two months in the summer of August 2018 on a beach with my family in Thailand, kind of semi-retired, relaxed, came back itchy to do a little bit of work. And um, one of the things that I often get asked is like, you know, how did you get Boris and Pankaj as co-founders? Because they're awesome. Question number Especially, two. <laughs> yeah, question number two. I mean, if, 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 you, uh, if you're here local to Vancouver, they're just incredibly well-renowned and known. So I got back from Thailand and I was eager to do a little bit of work as you are if you sit still for too long. Mm -hmm. And I went to another uh, a colleague of mine, Steve Munford, who is currently the CEO, CEO at Trulu. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd worked with at Sophos and I'm like, hey, do you know if any like short-term gigs or anything that might be interested? He's like, get a job. I'm like, I don't want a job. And so a couple months later, he introduces me to Boris and Pankaj and they had been jointly or separately investing in a variety of Vancouver startups for a while. Mm -hmm. They wanted to work together on a project and they knew that they wanted to work together on cybersecurity. And they'd been looking for a cybersecurity leader to kind of recruit uh, to, to join their organization. So they were introduced to me. I'm like, hey, I could advise you. They're like, no, 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 we want you to be our CEO. So instead of me doing the, hey, I've got this great startup idea. I'm going to build this thing. I'm going out and I'm looking for money. I had two fantastic investors um, and co-founders who... You know, frankly, were you know just incredible reputation. I never worked with them before, but mm -hmm. I did my research on them, and I'm like, this is an opportunity I can't turn down. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> how could I? How could I walk away from an opportunity where it's like, you know, we're going to give you a bunch of cash, we're going to give you support, equity, connections, relationships, all this kind of stuff, and go. And so, 
Um, so that was, you know, late 2018. And my mission, kind of what we set out to solve is security in the small and mid-sized market. And there's a whole bunch of trials and turns and t- tribulations we'll get into through the conversation. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's what we kind of set out to do uh, starting then. And since then, we've grown to a team of 20 full-time staff, about 75 subcontractors, over 100 clients across North America. We're seeing some pretty good traction, and uh, it's been an exciting journey. Fantastic. Um, but, you know, like any other startup, it's not what you expect when you uh, when you set out at the start line, for sure. Well, that's, I mean, that's super interesting. And uh, it's a very unique story, I must say. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, uh, Pencash, I mean, obviously with Trinimbus and all that, I mean, we know, you know, we know that. And Boris, yep. it's, it's Boris. I mean, it's hard not to be in Vancouver. <laughs> but the one question I wanted to ask, I mean, I understand that, you know, they kind of brought you into the, into the, that universe of this company, but why did yeah. they decide to be co-founders instead of just investors? Did, did that ever come up? It did. So, uh, you know, Boris um, and Pankaj both wanted to be kind of, they had this idea they wanted to incubate, not just invest. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to just write a check, right? And so, you know, uh, for anybody who's raised money and has people on their cap table on their board, you know, the typical kind of board interaction is you meet once a quarter, you present a bunch of numbers, they ask you a bunch of questions, and then you go away and you do it again in another quarter, yeah. right? Um, like I have weekly uh, standing meetings with Boris and Pankaj, wow. which is like, you know, they are two of the best um, supporters in innovators and entrepreneurs that I've ever worked with. And I get the the, the benefit of their time and energy. Mm-hmm. And so I think th- they knew that they wanted to work together. They knew they were interested in the space. They, they liked the idea of actually, instead of just writing checks, being involved in the journey mm-hmm. in a much more um, serious way. And uh, yeah, it's worked out well for me. Hopefully it's working out well for them as well. <laughs> well, it's, it's quite the triumvirate, I, I must say. So that's fantastic. And I guess I can say a trinimbus triumph- triumvirate for Prakash. That's actually way too hard to <laughs> To say, I'm not going to go with that. Well, t- you know what? Tell me a little bit about your journey. Like, what got you into cybersecurity then? If you said you've been doing it for 20 years, yeah. So, um, uh, studied electrical engineering at Waterloo, mm-hmm. uh, actually kind of dropped out, uh, so didn't complete that degree. Um, and came back to Vancouver, um, cause I'm originally from BC, um, and started working at an ISP. So, you know, kind of helping people get connected to the internet, business connected to the internet for the first time. Mm-hmm. So the early part of my career was, you know, internet service providers, building backbones, network engineer, getting businesses, like they're literally very first internet connection, whether it's dial up and then T1s and then eventually fiber and all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of one of those early engineers helping to build out the internet in Canada, the, the lower mainland, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we got to this point where like, okay, faster internet connections, that's not really so interesting anymore. And it was right around the time when spam started to become a problem. So I started, I had a job change situation and I had this opportunity to work for active state at the time. And I was running my own Linux server in my basement and I saw how bad of a problem spam was <laughs> and active state had the solution that was like a spam filtering tool. And I'm like, that looks like really an interesting opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked in the case of Active State, the, the thing that they were doing around open source, which was really just starting to kind of take off. Like, how do you build a business based on open source? It wasn't really clear at that point. And so I got into Active State and then Active State, like 18 months later, was acquired by Sophos, mm-hmm. which of course, you know, industry leading security firm. Um, and so really kind of build the internet and now safeguard all the things that I've been doing, uh, you know, because I've always been a big believer in the promise of the internet and what it can do to enable people. Mm-hmm. And if you think about 
Well, we've benefited in a global pandemic. Like, can you imagine if we didn't have the internet today? I think about right? that all like, the time. Like, my gosh, it would yeah. be a weird world. Everyone would be dying yeah. because we'd still be at work. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so, you know, it just became a real passion area for me. And I'm, I'm a continuous learner. Like, I like things that are, you know, if I sit still and do the same thing for too long, I get bored. Um, and security is one of those spaces where things are changing Con- all the constantly. time, right? Like, you know, the, the ransomware attack of today is not the ransomware attack of yesterday. You know, it's taking down beef processing plants and pipelines and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, a few day, a few years ago, it was like, you know, your mom's laptop and a $1,500 ransom fee. Um, and everything you look at in security looks like that, right? It's whether it's a transition to the cloud or mm-hmm. application security, all these different things. And so I like the industry because it's dynamic, it's changing. And there's real value in solving problems for customers in the space, right? Because if if they aren't secure, then they can go out of business or they can lose significant amounts of customer data. So Completely. it's been a really rewarding field to be in. And I suppose it's easy to say it's a business that's growing and never going to go away. You know, it's just going to get more and more prevalent in our economy and, and, and you know, more important every day. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it be less prevalent. And what I mean by that is I'd like it to be less of a problem mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. more of a solved thing mm-hmm. so that like we don't think about in a, a safe city like Vancouver or physical security that much, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're belonging to a gang or something like that, right? I, I am not, by and the so, way. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, and like, I'd like us to get to that point with cybersecurity where it's like, yeah, you've got Cobalt helping you out. It's not something you need to worry about anymore. Go focus on your business. It it really shouldn't be one of these things where, you know, CEOs and founders are really stressed about it all the time. So oh, I, I love that vision. I love the vision. So you said you're with Sophos. Are, are they, uh, did you ever work in the, uh, the 777 Dunsmuir office at Sophos? You mean our, I'm on the 12th floor right now. So no. So the 777 is the new office. Uh, I worked in the old Scotia tower office. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Is, Cause I see, I see those guys and we get to talk, uh, you know, cybersecurity yeah. for all of six floors of the elevator sometimes together. So, um, yeah, I still have a lot of good friends who work there. So. You know, it seems yeah. like a great group of people and uh, definitely, uh, you know, pushing it as well. But uh, this is the story of Cobalt and, and uh, you know, the wonderful yes. things that you are doing. Well, what's what's the sweet spot of Cobalt? Like what's, what's you know, if you've, if you've done ICP, like, you know, where you try to identify, you know, your, no. your, your customer profile of who you like, who would be like a an ICP of Cobalt? Yeah. So at its core, it's technology startups. Uh, eventually, we want to solve it for all SMB, but um, we took a very initial focus on tech startups, right? So B2B SaaS, health tech, and fintech being the three where we've had the most traction. Um, and for a couple of reasons. One of them is if you're a B2B SaaS company and you're selling to enterprise, you're selling to government, it's not enough for you to just build a better widget. You also um, are storing their data, and so they're pushing security requirements down on you. And so for them, security isn't just a ransomware can take down my business or it can have a DDoS attack, take my site offline. It's a if I want to sell to enterprise X or government Y, I have to be able to say yes to all these security things. Yeah. And so I really like security not just as a move the bad guys away, but also enable the business. Mm-hmm. And so our ability to kind of quickly address that for our clients and unlock revenue has been really, really rewarding. So that's our core. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, you know, a reasonable cross-section of not-for-profit customers and stuff like that, because they also store a lot of sensitive data. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, B2B SaaS, health tech, fintech, and the health tech, especially in the last 18 months, has just exploded. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we've got five different customers that are doing COVID-19 vaccine research. We've got biomanufacturers, we've got people who are doing cancer therapies and telemedicine and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, even though we're not anywhere in the healthcare sector ourselves, Mm -hmm. like just being a small part of their story in the middle of a pandemic has been really rewarding as well. That's, that's, that's awesome. I, you know, I always, I always say when we're working with a client, you know, Hey, that might not be our spirit, but we've got, we're our our NDA is inserted in your story. So, I mean, I, I totally, (laughs) totally dig that. Well, what would be like a typical, so, so, say a client comes in is it is it you know are you selling them software are you selling them services like what 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 is it that you're you're mostly focused on to to help them you know be secure yeah so if you think about our typical client and i'll just you know call it a 50 person health tech company mm-hmm. right and so they're they're too small to have their own security team mm-hmm. but they have to do the thing right so they've got sensitive data they've got cloud infrastructure all this kind of stuff so we basically provide something we call a security program as a service mm-hmm. it's not a virtual CISO, which is what a lot of independent consultants do on their own mm-hmm. it's operational as well so we're Seven by 24, eyes on glass of their infrastructure. We're doing security awareness training for their teams, but we're also providing them an advisory layer to help them understand the risks and deal with those risks over time. So instead of going out and hiring one person who's going to be their internal security analyst and is going to try to do 23 different jobs, they hire us for the fraction of a cost Mm -hmm. and we do the whole thing for them and allow them to get good in a fraction of the time that it would take them to do it internally. Um, And they can focus on their core thing, whether that's, you know, online education or, you know, telemedicine Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Right. And so our core service is a security program as a service and it's enabled by technology and people and everything else. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and for startups, that's great because they want to focus on innovating as quickly as they can and not, you know, hiring 12 people, which are hard to hire in this industry mm-hmm. to build a security program for scratch. Oh, completely. And you know what, and that 50 person team is a really interesting sweet spot too, because, you know, that's when they found they've got really good product market fit. Um, you know, they're trying mm-hmm. to scale it up and they need to focus on the bigger picture, but sometimes, you know, I mean, security is always part of that bigger picture, but having the experts in there, I mean, I agree. It's, it's hard to find people. Will, will you do things like intrusion testing and pen testing and all that for them too? Or is it, you know, like the full suite yeah. basically? It's a full suite. And one of the things that we found with small businesses, especially, is they don't have time to assemble all the parts themselves, right? They mm-hmm. want a single trusted provider who can do the penetration testing, which we do do, or a cloud security audit, mm-hmm. or help them develop a, a strong SDLC, right? So it really depends on the specific needs of the organization. But, you know, we're going to help them solve all of their different security problems. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it really is that kind of end-to-end service for those clients. Hello, Aaron. Hey, Chris. Do you know how I love to start off every day? No, I don't. Well, let me tell you. It is via the Vancouver Tech Journal's daily newsletter that is sent out to me to tell me all the top stories about the exciting happenings here in Vancouver, across Canada, in terms of business and technology. Uh, It covers all the podcasts, it covers all the blogs, and it covers all the people and personalities. And William and team have an inside track to knowing all the top stories. Um, And it comes to me. Which is so nice. I don't have to go to it. <laughs> yeah, I just went to their website, vantechjournal.com, and all you have to do is put your email in and click a button, and uh, I'm all set up. I'm ready to to receive all the wonderful news that they have to offer. Simple dimple. And I'll tell you, this is not an ad. Is this an ad? No, it's not an ad. This is not a paid ad. This is something we do because we honestly love what William and his crew are doing, and we just thought everyone should be aware of that. For sure. So make sure to check it out, vantechjournal.com, and you can check out all their socials as well at Vancouver Tech Journal. Mm-hmm. And and what what just in the early 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 days of Michael, what got you excited about cybersecurity? Like what what's the what's the one bug that you got that uh, made you go, hey, this is my thing, like my jam. 
Um, I mean, so I'm a, a technology geek at heart, mm -hmm. and there is definitely that whole kind of cat and mouse game of, you know, you solve something and then the attacker like changes their tactic mm -hmm. and goes around and then you solve the next thing. And the thing I like about security is like my my personal kind of ethic is, you know, continuous learning and development. Security just requires that. It requires you to have that agility of mind and purpose, um, especially because it is not like infrastructure where, you know, once it's operational, it's operational, you're dealing with a committed, determined adversary. Mm -hmm. And that kind of back and forth for me has always been part of the fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wish all the bad people and attackers went away. We didn't even have this industry, mm -hmm. but, you know, it's rewarding to be able to provide protection to customers in that, in the face of that threat. I dig that. I dig that. I mean, you can, uh, you can be Sherlock Holmes to, uh, you know, to the, the enemies are always learning or that, you know, and uh, you have to be one. So, I mean, I'm thinking about, oh gosh, when I was doing some comp, comp site classes at UBC way back in the day, we're talking like 1999. <laughs> and you I mean, exactly what yeah. you say, it was so basic back then. I mean, I remember yeah. we were doing, we had this one security prof and he was trying to, I mean, this was really dumb to be honest, what he did, uh, you know, prof, Originally of Eastern European, uh, you know, uh, learnings and everything. He actually did a Smurf attack, or no, was it? No, it was a. Uh, it wasn't a Smurf attack. He he. Um, well, he just changed the 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 forwarding on his on his email. He sent an email threat to the White House, showing it in us, you know, in the class how you could yeah. do that. And we're like, well, that's great, but you just showed two hundred of us how to do that. Like that, you could have yeah. just pretended to do that, you know. Why did you actually push send? Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. now you couldn't imagine anyone doing doing something like that, and you know, fearing repercussions, of course. Getting in the mindset of the attacker is a really interesting thing, right? Um, one of the things that we do for, uh, we did it for our investors, we do it for new onboards, is we actually send them up these little care packages. And one of the things in the care packages is a lock picking kit, nice. right? And, you know, lock picking is like one of these things where it's like, it seems for somebody who's never done it, that could be very difficult and challenging. And then my 11 year old is the one who teaches them how to lock pick, right? <laughs> and so she's, you know, she gets up under a little blue cobalt shirt and she does her little thing That's like awesome. three seconds later that the lock picks open, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you realize like how easy it is to overcome what we think are strong defenses, mm -hmm. right? And also the measures that can be taken to just protect yourself against those sorts of attacks, mm -hmm. it opens up your mind to all sorts of different things. And if you think about the entrepreneurial journey, a lot of the entrepreneurial journey is fundamentally, it's a hacker's mindset. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do I shortcut this process? Or how do I work around something that everybody assumes should be one way, but could actually be another way. And so that mindset of solving problems and, you know, looking for different ways around kind of obstacles is true for both the security attacker and the security defender. And, you know, it's it's a fun place to, to work in for sure. For sure, for sure. And now, now, I mean, we were talking a little bit about, you know, the COVID fun. Um, and I use that with, with quotes, but I suppose, <laughs> you know, with people that are, you know, now you've got so many people working from home, did that yeah. create a whole new industry for you of trying to, you know, we got to lock down this stuff now, especially, you know, we got the cloud, we got home, we, you know, the, the people are usually the, the weakest intrusion point still, you know, hand me a USB. Uh, yeah, I'll put that in my computer. Um, have you found a big uptick and change in the business since uh, um, that's happened? 
It's accelerated certain types of risk. And so, you know, being a bit of a, a, a Sinophile, my wife is Chinese. Mm-hmm. I was watching the whole pandemic thing as it rolled out in China mm-hmm. and could see that it was going to come to North America. We closed our offices about a week before everybody else did, mm-hmm. um, just kind of out of uh, an abundance of caution. And literally the day like Vancouver and North America locked down was the day we rolled out our securely working from home awareness training for, for our customers <laughs> and stuff. Because mm-hmm. like I could see this coming because mm-hmm. we need this. And one of the things that we've definitely seen is a significant rise in two types of attacks, social engineering and business email fraud. And part of the thing is in the past, like if a new invoice came in and, you know, uh, Aaron needed to get your approval to sign off on it, you know, he'd walk down the hall and ask, right? But now with everybody remote and distributed, like all those sorts of normal kind of human checks and balances are kind of broken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we're definitely seeing a rise in a lot of attacks. And then the other thing is just generally the pandemic has dramatically accelerated the move towards, you know, digitization and online and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the past, it was like break into your infrastructure and servers. And now it's like, keep your cloud secure, right? Because everybody's just adopting cloud at a unprecedented pace, mm-hmm. right? And so the good news is we took a very strong focus early on on cloud-focused organizations. I mean, that's where, you know, you talk to startups, like most of our customers didn't really skip a beat because they were already distributed teams working from home. Mm-hmm. This was not a big change for them. Um, but now everybody else has gone to that model as well. And so being there when all everybody arrived made it a lot easier for us to support them. No, for sure. But do you find because everyone trusts the cloud, except for security people, um, that, you know, there's an education around that piece now too, because, you know, they're like, oh, we don't have, we don't have bare metal. We don't have servers, you know, everything's in the cloud. So we're, we're secure by default. Tell, you know, uh, tell us or, or AWS or Microsoft, they already secure us. Do you have to make sure to educate people around the threats with that too, and making sure that everything's up to date um, on that side? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a need to think about security security differently when you're a cloud-centric organization compared to an on-premise organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not one of those security professionals who's like, I have to own the server. It has to be my physical possession. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of, I know, you know, people who are gray beards who are dyed in the wool and this is their kind of way of thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, my take on it is um, the large cloud organizations, not the small ones typically, but the large ones, the Microsofts and AWSs and and Googles of the world, you know, they have massive teams and they do this really well, Mm -hmm. right? And they're going to be better at securing their infrastructure than, you know, Joe, who has one person in IT who's doing exchange servers and desktop support and everything else off the side of his desk is going to be at, you know, securing his exchange server, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so... It changes the profile. Mm-hmm. It changes kind of the type of attacks that you need to think about, but it doesn't change the fact that attackers also vary, right? So it's like, oh, in the past, I would try to attack your server. Now I need to attack your user or your authentication because that's what gets me into your cloud, yeah. right? And so it doesn't do you any good if Microsoft has done their job, but then you give out your username and password to everybody who's asking for it, <laughs> and then you can slurp down all the data, right? Completely, so. completely. And and you know, it was interesting what you're talking about of how the you know the that email from the, hey, can you cash this check, uh, you know, from from the CEO? Um, I mean, I guess it's great because our organization has me as president and Jose as our CEO, but we're constantly getting a, an email. They don't know which one of us is, I guess, the, the check signer because we get those exact spam you're talking about. Um, oh, they're massive, oh, it's right? I mean, the reason, the reason it's such high volume 
assume is because it works, right? It like attackers do things that work, right? They make money off this email is every cheap. single day. Email is cheap, yeah. you know, and uh, just uh, uh, running, running, running a sludge across or a web, you know, across the the websites to see who's who's in what positions. And uh, yeah, I guess it's yeah. I guess it's not a lot of work to do so. Well, well, t- tell us. I mean, I was reading about this. Tell us, wise ambassador. What, what's that all about? Yeah, so when I worked at TELUS, they rolled out a program which was, um, you know, myself and other security experts and just generally people at TELUS would get trained up on how to go into schools and workplaces on educating around security best practices. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a number of years. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I continued as an ambassador even after I retired out of TELUS. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's great because you get to use the expertise that you have every day um, in a totally different environment. And the questions that you get from students and parents and teachers, and in some cases, I've done like police officers and other groups, um, are totally different set of questions than you get from, you know, the CTO of a startup or, you know, the CISO at a a manufacturing firm, right? Mm -hmm. And so I love the, uh, just the freshness of that audience. And the fact that like, you know, by taking half an hour, an hour and imparting a bunch of wisdom, you can dramatically reduce their risks. Um, it was a very rewarding program. And so Telus has had a lot of success. I mean, the last, I haven't participated in the program in the last couple of years, but before I left, they had done something like 2 million individual uh, people worth of training wow. sessions across Canada. So, you know, obviously, again, just increasing awareness uh, can awesome. go a long ways to reducing. Well, risk, you know, so. kudos to tell us for doing that because, you know, the younger that people can realize that these are concerns and threats, um, you know, the, the, yeah. the more, the more secure the rest of us will be. Well, um, well, you know, well, <sighs> You know, we always talk, I mean, the, the theory behind this, the theme behind this, I guess it's not a theory, it's a theme behind this podcast is, you know, to talk to, you know, really interesting uh, Canadian entrepreneurs like yourself. And, you know, with with the thought that we can share a little bit of knowledge, uh, you know, to, to, to expedite the, the journey of the of the next generation of uh, founders. Um, just yeah. can you give me one advice that you've gotten um, over the years that that you've learned that, uh, you know, they can benefit from? I, you know, I, I mean, I ingest advice from all sorts of different uh, people. I mean, I'll, I'll give two if that's okay. Please. So, I mean, the, the first one is it's not the idea, it's the execution. So just, you know, classic, um, you know, kind of, ex- you know, B2.0 or whatever, these kind of thinking about, you know, how you take the idea and actually make it real in the world. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about <laughs> at the end of the day. It's not about having the best idea. It's about executing an I- idea as well, right? Um, and the second one is just more of a personal one, which is for me, there is nothing better than being at the coal face with the customer, <laughs> right? And so when you are talking in the field um, as an entrepreneur, as a startup founder, and you're solving real customer problems and you're, you're, you're going to be able to learn so much faster and that's going to drive your entrepreneurial success by being as close to the customer as you can be. Right. And so, um, you know, that was probably, you know, if I think about challenges early on in the cobalt days, I hired sales a little bit faster than I should have. I wasn't as close to the customers I should have been that slowed us down mm. rather than sped us up. Right. And so, you know, getting into that kind of quick interaction loop, uh, with clients is really, really important. Um, and you know, one of the things I'll, I'll just share is if I ever do another startup, I will definitely focus on the SMB market because you can learn so much so fast because you have so many turns of the wheel compared to say selling to enterprise or, 
you know, other, other markets. So, well, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. And also the, the, what you touched on about, you know, doing, don't do sales right away, learn about the problem first. I mean, I, yeah. one thing that I was actually always impressed, I mean, we talk about Jose again, our, our CEO, but one thing that always really impressed me was I thought the first thing uh, when he was actually our MBA intern, okay, from, from the UBC program. And we yeah. quickly realized this guy's pretty good at this game. Cause I'm like, okay, we brought him in. I'm like, okay, we need to bring sales in because we need to, you know, start cooking and, and, and growing the team that way. And he's like, Chris, look at the, this is the line I've identified of money that we're losing on projects because we're not efficient. Now imagine if mm -hmm. we do that times six, because we just have a lot more projects. Wouldn't it be better to focus on that bottom line, get that down, be more efficient and then put gas on the engine. And it's like, yeah, that's why you're going to be our CEO soon. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just good yeah. advice, right? I mean, it makes sense. You, you, yeah. if you want to keep bleeding, bleed. Sales should be done when you're ready to scale up and you're comfortable with your processes and systems. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I wholly agree with that. Um, that's uh, yeah. fantastic. Well, and, and there's something always to be said about falling in love with a customer problem, right? Like Completely. at the end of the day, and, you know, if you are, and it doesn't need to be something like in my case, I, I've been in love with cybersecurity for you know, a couple decades. Um, but, you know, if you're a new founder and you can find a problem that you're really excited about, um, you know, you're going to learn so much faster and you're going to be so much more successful. Oh, com completely. You know, you, 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 yeah, I just, I just have to agree with you on that because uh, it's, it's bang on. Well, you know what, one other question I like to ask is, you know, can we all have our Canadian heroes, but we don't talk much about our Canadian business heroes or or people that we look up to. I mean, you're you're already working with two, you know, living legends, uh, I would say, and yeah. that makes you a hero in my book. Um, but <laughs> who would you say if you know if there's someone else you can add to your triumvirate of of amazing uh, Canadian entrepreneurs? Who would be another one that you would that you think would be really interesting to add? Yeah, I, I think in terms of organizations rather than individuals, mm -hmm. because I think the organization is the magic sure. and the individual, like, you know, servant leadership and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But I mean, two organizations that I think are really interesting to me right now. I mean, the team over at Shopify, of course. Um, I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I like about Shopify from a mission perspective, just the simplicity of, you know, making commerce better, right? Like, you know, that kind of idea of, you know, there's this central organizing concept and everything that we do is going to be around that. And some of the things we do aren't even necessarily going to make us a lot of money or whatever, but they're going to be the water that lifts all the ships um, is really incredible. And so that's, that's, you know, that team and what they're doing there. And I think about security in very similar fashion. Like how do I make security better for SMBs? It's not just like sell them something, but actually make the whole journey better and the experience better and the outcomes better. Right. Um, and then, Another team that I, I I take a little bit of inspiration from is Jack and the team at Clio. Oh, yeah. And like the idea of, you know, this operating system for the legal entity, I think is again, you know, a similar kind of design thought around what we're trying to do in security as well, right? Which is, you know, it's not a point solution. It's not like, you know, one small part of the problem. It's solving the end-to-end -end problem because until you solve the end-to-end -end problem, you really haven't addressed the the thing that is causing your business all these nightmares and challenges, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so those are two that really kind of resonate with me, but there's, I mean, this is such an exciting time to be an early Canadian entrepreneur. Completely. Um, I mean, we seem to be minting a new unicorn every week in Vancouver. Easily. It's just insane. Easily. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a fan of trying to help technology companies in Vancouver for 20 years and just seeing the, the excitement and growth of the market, um, in the, in the recent days has been 
inspiring. It, so. it has not been a better time. And the tools are good. Like everything is good. Yeah. And, and you know what? The support network here is so good too. People aren't saying, oh, you got to go down to the valley. I don't hear anyone yeah. saying that anymore. It is, yeah. you can build it here. And, the, you know, and we yeah. have the support, we have the teams, you can have the money now. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I also talk to a lot of people in the valley and they look up to Vancouver and Canada with, with awe in like, this is a great place to, to, to hire. It's a great place to build. Um, yeah. So let's keep, let's yeah. keep building. I think it's a great place to be an entrepreneur, right? Like, I mean, yes, the, the money thing is way more accessible than it has been ever in the past. But I mean, just the fact that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you don't have to worry about healthcare, right? Like that's a big that's thing, a huge right? Thing. Or the fact that you can bring somebody in from Eastern Europe or Sri Lanka or wherever and get them a visa relatively easily compared to the, some of the challenges south of the border, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? The fact that you can apply on, you know, get talent globally. Um, and that's why, like, not just entrepreneurs, but Amazon and the big shops are opening up shops here. It's so they can bring in talent from a global basis, which Completely. is really exciting. And then we've got lots of local talent as well, hey, which but, is great. Can I say one thing about the talent, the global talent? They want to come here. That's the other thing that's oh, interesting. Yeah, it's know? a beautiful city. Now we need to work on uh, housing affordability, but that's a discussion <laughs> that's, for another day. Unfortunately, I don't think most know it until they show up. But uh, um, hey, Michael, th- thanks so much. This is super interesting i really 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 enjoyed the conversation and i I look forward to continuing you know watching watching you and and uh just make a huge name for for yourselves uh globally uh with uh with what you're doing at cobalt so thank thanks for joining us today thanks so much for having me chris great to talk to you cheers 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 Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.